Hello, welcome to Tech Stories. I'm your host, Jatin. Today's episode is about Kubernetes. We'll talk about what it is, its history, how it's used, and possible future implementations. So let's get started with our subject for today. So what is Kubernetes? Well, Kubernetes is an open source container orchestration system for automating software deployment, scaling, and management, sometimes called KAs. Developed and designed at Google as part of the project Borg, uh, which was an internal Google project, uh, which is a cluster management system. Uh, unlike Borg, Kubernetes source code is in Go programming language. We can deep dive into Go programming language and how it compares to other languages in another episode. I think that would be an interesting topic. Kubernetes 1.0 was released on July 21st, 2015. Google worked with the Linux Foundation to form the Cloud Native Computing Foundation and offered Kubernetes as a seed technology. Helm, which is a package manager for Kubernetes, was released on February 2016. Google offered managed Kates and Red Hat was supporting Kates as part of its OpenShift stack. In 2017, several competitors rallied around Kubernetes and announced adding native support for it. This included VMware, Microsoft, and Amazon. Exactly how does Kubernetes work? Well, the Kubernetes consists of two main components. Uh, the master, which handles the Kubernetes control plane of the cluster, managing its workload and direction communications across the system, uh, as well as the node. A node, also known as a worker or minion, is a machine where containers are deployed. Every node in a cluster must run a container runtime, as well as several required components. Inside the node, you have the pod. Inside the pod, you have a container, or you have multiple containers. The container is the lowest level of microservice, which holds the running application libraries and their dependencies. Pods can be exposed to the world with an external IP address. Inside the pod, you also have a volume. Think of it as a local disk inside the pod. So having worked in the tech industry for many years, I have some opinions on Kubernetes. First, I definitely see it as a very powerful tool um, to improve the utilization and performance of physical hardware. Um, you know, before Kubernetes, uh, you know, you had virtual machines, um, you had other types of um, virtualization um, technologies, um, and that was definitely uh, one step towards improving resource utilization on a physical hardware. Um, and I think Kubernetes just takes it to a whole new level. Uh, in a way, it's kind of like the Russian doll mentality where you have a VM inside of a VM inside of a VM inside of a physical machine. So, um, but it does allow for better resource optimization. Also considering the fact that uh, Kubernetes is highly scalable, uh, microservice architecture tends to be very scalable. Uh, and if programmed correctly, uh, you can achieve very high uh, fault tolerance as well as load balancing with Kubernetes. There are a lot of good resources for learning and understanding Kubernetes. Uh, a lot of great books out there. There's also tutorials online. Um, you can probably find some great YouTube videos if you just want to learn something really quickly. Uh, there are also certification programs. Uh, some of them are very effective. 
uh, for professionals who want to use Kubernetes in a, a work environment. One great place to start if you really want to learn about Kubernetes and, and, and cloud native technology uh, is the cncf.io website. That's the Cloud Native Computing Foundation website. Uh, that is a great place to start. I recently saw an article on Splunk about how 93% of organizations are using or plan to use containers in production. Um, and so definitely Kubernetes is a powerful tool that a lot of uh, companies are starting to realize, um, organizations are starting to utilize it um, and really deploy it. Um, and a large part of the current deployment uh, stack is centered around Kubernetes. Uh, and it's definitely become one of the core technologies um, along with you know, different types of operating systems and network technologies. As part of this podcast, I do want to cover containers, containerization, and technologies similar to Kubernetes, as well as Kubernetes, uh, in more detail, uh, possibly in future episodes. Um, Kubernetes is interesting. Containerization is interesting. It definitely is one of those moments in the tech industry that defines the before and after. And uh, definitely with the release of Kubernetes, we're seeing the adoption of containerization and the microservice architecture as becoming the default architecture for most software companies. A lot of non-software companies, when they're utilizing um, web services or any kind of technology stack, um, a lot of it is becoming containerized. And so it definitely is becoming an important technology uh, going into the future. Um, so it'll be exciting to see where Kubernetes and containerization technologies go um, as more and more companies um, deploy it, use it, and develop on it. Let's talk about some of the challenges with Kubernetes and containerization. Um, for me, I would say the biggest challenge has to be the uh, adoption challenge for developers and users of Kubernetes. Uh, users, I mean people who develop code, people who develop infrastructure, as well as data center engineers. Um, just getting the mentality from a monolithic architecture software stack to a microservice, you know, highly uh, deployable, highly configurable infrastructure, um, you know, there requires a lot of rethinking from a software developer's point of view, but also um, companies need to change their software development life, life cycle. Uh, there needs to be changes in how uh, teams are operated and run. So this will definitely create challenges, I think. And, uh, you know, there's also opportunities there as well. Um, and just learning a new technology, uh, which is quickly becoming widespread uh, will be a challenge in itself. One interesting question that I sometimes think about is, is Kubernetes really the end goal? Um, you know, you hear about technologies like serverless and the challenges that it faces as well. Um, but also Kubernetes has some challenges. Uh, it could be simplified, it could be optimized further. And there are companies out there really working on doing that. Um, 
And but at the same time, the question is: Is Kubernetes really the end goal as far as where the technology stack goes? Um, and what I would say is no. I, I think I think there's going to be further development along the lines of containerization, and we're definitely going to see um, maybe a new technology stack replace Kubernetes in the next couple of years. Another kind of thing to watch out for is AI, um, especially machine learning. Uh, Kubernetes can do a lot of ML tasks really well. Uh, you know, the idea of containerizing a microservice um, really does work with machine learning, but there can also be limitations that we're not aware of. Um, you know, if, if you have an AI that spins up thousands of containers, you know, you can see some problems happening along that lines. You know, how do you manage that? How do you um, work with a technology like that? How do you train people to conceptualize thousands of containers on thousands of pods um, and, you know, not lose their minds? <laughs> That's an interesting concept. One of my goals for this podcast is to interview people who have used different technology stacks, who have stories about those technology stacks, whether it's the history, how they develop it, how they use it, and where they see the future of that technology stack going. And Kubernetes is definitely one of those technology stacks that I think is defining the world that we live in right now. Um, and it may define the future technology stacks that we use. Um, so I definitely want to have that conversation um, with people who know this technology really well. So look forward to that. Marijuana.